Ruth in chapter 4. Thank you, ladies. What a great blessing. What a great song. And, of course, as we have I Love My Church, we get really to hear the climax of this love story we've been in Ruth and kind of uh, finish it off today. I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, looking at the last judge. Of course, we went through judges over a year ago, and then now through Ruth, and we're going to go to the last judge uh, for Samuel uh, next week, and so we're looking forward to that. We will not get through First Samuel in one week, I promise you that, but we'll begin it, and I'm excited about our next book to get into. Ruth in chapter 4 and verse number 7, and once you've found it, if you're physically able to and you're willing to, if you could stand to your feet in honor of God's Word. We're just going to read a few verses this morning. We'll go through many more verses until uh, we get through the end today. The Bible says there, once you found it, now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to conform all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee, So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean's and Malon's in the hand of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you again for loving us. And thank you for this time we can come together. Already we've been blessed by the music, the fellowship, the giving, the report. And now we get to hear uh, from your word. And Lord, as we listen, Lord, may we learn. And as we follow along, I pray that we'll see that this is your word. And Lord, may you help me to get out of the way. And may you just flow through me. I certainly don't want to be an obstacle to people. And Lord, I want to be able to speak, uh, Lord, at the right speed, and Lord, uh, say the things you'd like me to say in clarity, and Lord, not, not to miss anything or not to overspeak. And Lord, I please pray for your help this morning and your guidance. Be with those who are turning in, tuning in online. May they know they're loved and appreciated and cared for. Lord, I pray you'll be with those who are in ministries this morning that would love to be in here, but they're serving. I pray you'll bless them for their efforts, Lord, and may we see a great report from all you did today all over this great place. Lord, I pray that you'll be with each person this morning to hear from you. Lord, it's my prayer that we're fed. And Lord, that we learn something, that we know what to do with it later, and that you'll challenge us and help us. We give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Years ago, there was a man who was in need of a job, and he had taken his kids to the local zoo, and when he was there, he saw a little sign that said, Help Wanted. And so he went to the person and said, You know, I want to know what you need, and thought maybe it was a groundskeeper or something. And they said, Actually, we have a very interesting need. Um, Our gorilla passed away recently, and we need someone who's willing to put this gorilla suit on and sit in the cage. You don't have to do anything. You just sit there, and every once in a while, you pop a piece of fruit in your mouth, or you kind of maybe scratch yourself a little bit, or maybe even say a, a noise or two, but that's all you need to do. And the man thought about it and says, I can't do that. And they said, well, the pay's really good. He thought, okay, well, let's see, why not just try it? And so the first day, he did it, and for the first few hours, things seemed to go pretty easy, and 
people started throwing things after him after a while. They wanted him to get up and move around and do some things. So he said, okay, what, what can I hurt? So he got up and he started climbing on rocks and people started getting excited. Then he started climbing into the trees and people were really getting excited and they started throwing peanuts at him and he loved peanuts. So he was all excited and he started getting a little bit braver and he grabbed a vine that was there for decor and, and he started swinging on it and everybody started getting thrilled. Well, then he got going so much, he didn't realize he swung over, swing, swung, swung over, thank you, over your grammar, please, all right, he swung over the lion's den, and right then, the lion's pen, the, the, the vine broke, and down he went. He was devastated, he was scared to death, and he started screaming, and they, people looked at him, that's the weirdest gorilla scream we'd ever heard, and he started screaming, and the lion started coming after him, and, and breath was breathing, and, and they could just see the saliva on the teeth, and the pole came up to, to, to get him, and he pounced on the man, and the man started freaking out, and about that time, a giant pole came and hit him on the, on the face, and he heard the sound, shut up, stupid, or we'll both be fired. <laughs> Anyways, we see this morning a man in our text from last week who had been kind of playing along in hopes of getting this extra land. If you remember, the nearer kinsman got this incredible opportunity. Uh, Boaz is trying to buy Ruth, purchase her freedom. Therefore, she become his wife. He loves her. He cares for her. He's been protecting her. Naomi's been caring for them for a long time now. He has this personal attachment. Now, at the end of the day, he's a very principled man, so he really wants her to be cared for. But he can just sense this nearer kinsman is selfish, greedy. He wants this land. If you remember, it's not easy to buy land in Israel. In fact, it's very difficult to. It stays in the tribes. It stays in the family. Even if you are able to buy it after 50 years or the year of Jubilee, it goes back to the people. You can't really keep it. And to be able to add to your ground was, was incredible, even if the ground hadn't been worked for 10 years. And so he eagerly jumped at the opportunity to which Boaz's heart probably sunk. But Boaz also baited him because as soon as he did that, he said, hey, Ruth... The Moabitess comes with it, whose husband has died. And immediately the man regrets his eagerness. And he realizes this isn't as good a deal as he thought. And now he's got to take on this other wife who will, is still in childbearing age. And the child that they bear will then take this inheritance. And he ended up won't get any of this land anyways. Perhaps his inheritance could be in jeopardy. And so he backtracks quickly and says, you know what, never mind, I don't want that land. I really was just kidding. You can have it. We kind of left that in the story last week. And today we see the story continuing on. And I'm really going to give us just five things. Each of these things aren't going to be earth-changing uh, points. They're going to just kind of describe what's going on. But in the end, I want us to see a parallel with who God is for us. And I think these points will then make much more sense and you'll be able to hear, hear, uh, uh, hold to them much dearer than the first time through. So number one, if you're writing, we see the receiving of the sandals. So after the man said, okay, you can have her, Boaz jumps on that. He wants to make sure, of course, there's 10 elders there. Uh, we see later there's some uh, people uh, uh, there. And so, uh, I'm sorry, not receiving. It's the removal of the sandal. The, re- the removal of the sandal, okay? And if you already wrote receiving, 
right, right or removal or something like that, okay? Uh, uh, some of you don't like to scratch through stuff. But anyways, the removal of the sandal. Thank you. And uh, the Bible says in verse number 7, Now this was the manner and form time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Now, this is kind of incredible. This man, Boaz, is pouncing on this opportunity. You said it. We have the witnesses here. Let's make this a done deal. And so the elder says, okay, take off your shoe. What? Why would they do that? Well, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 25, this is something God instituted. In chapter 25 or 7, custom was to remove the sandal and give it to the one who'd act as redeemer. The Bible says, And if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then the elders of the city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and loose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, so shall it be done unto the man that will not build up his brother's house. So what was interesting is what they were commanded to do, if this act was going to happen to make it official, is the lady would, uh, 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 who was being purchased would take off the shoe of the Redeemer who would not purchase her, and then she would spit in his face and uh, give the shoe to the other guy. Now, obviously, this has fallen by the wayside, because this is not what happens in the story. But that's how it would be. It was an act of shaming him. Like, how dare you? You won't take care of me? You know. And, uh, and probably rightfully so. But in this particular case, the shoe removal was a symbol. And what was that symbol? Well, there's two things. Standing on the land was a way of expressing ownership. So by taking off his sandal and giving it to the other man, everywhere this man would walk to pace off this new property meant that this is now my land. But the second thing that it meant was that Boaz was stepping into the man's place, literally like he was wearing the man's shoes. In other words, he was the one who was going to marry Ruth. So it meant two things, removing on the sandal. And that's why it's point number one, because the removing of the sandal is so important. But point number two, if you're writing, we see the renewing of Elimelech. So what happens next? Well, after the shoe has been removed, the Bible says in verse 9, And Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, Ye are witnesses this day, that I have bought all that was Elimelech's. So what's happening is not just is he getting a wife, he's also renewing Elimelech's name. You see, Naomi had no descendants, and so Elimelech's name was going to go away because now Ruth was Boaz's wife, was going to be Boaz's wife. So this child that was going to come would keep Elimelech's name going. So Boaz was not only removing the sandal and purchasing Ruth, but he was also going to renew Elimelech's name. And what's interesting here, in verse number 9, I just found this last night, where I really kind of jumped out at me, and Boaz said unto the elders, and unto all the people. Now we see this also in verse number 11, and all the people. And I started thinking, why in the world were all the people there? Because it just needed 10 elders to kind of make it official. Why are all these people interested in this case? Perhaps this didn't happen very often. 
Perhaps maybe they knew Boaz, perhaps they knew this near kinsman. But I think the biggest reason why they are all there is because of Ruth. I think they've been following Ruth's story. And so where do you get that from? Well, chapter 3, verse number 11, if you remember, Ruth is on the threshing floor. She's just proposed to Boaz. And Boaz says, all that you have said, I will do. And then he says, you, all the city of my people, doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. I think all the people in the city have been watching Ruth, this Moabitess woman. She's not even supposed to be here. And now she's here, and she's following the Lord, and she has faith, and she's preparing for her mother-in-law, and she's taking care of her, and now she's getting blessed, and now she gets the opportunity to become Boaz's. Why, perhaps maybe all the fashion magazines and all the, 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 the papers of that day and all the news outlets had been following Boaz, and now Boaz, this wealthy man, is now going to get married to Ruth, and they all show up, and here they are, not just these ten elders, but dozens and hundreds of people are there watching as this miraculous love story unfolds. Perhaps they're upset at the near kinsman. They're frustrated with him. They're glad that he can't buy and Get out of the way. Let Boaz become. And it's this perfect, really romantic story. And this shows two things. He loves Ruth. And he would also continue the name of Elimelech, who would be heir to the property, and they continue his name. So we see not just the renewing of Elimelech, not just the removal of the sandal, but third of all, we see something else happens here. We see the redeeming of Ruth. Look at verse number 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead may uh, be not cut off from among his brethren. And from the gate of this place you are all witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses The word purchase means to possess. He acts more nobly than he acted as a redeemer willingly. What's interesting here is Boaz is not ashamed of Ruth's past. No, 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 no. He's not ashamed to be associated with Ruth. He loves her just as she is. And what's interesting here is one commentator said, if a human being could love a woman who is from the past that Ruth has this much, how much more could God love and redeem all the outcasts of this world by showing that love by coming for you and me? We see in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 11, that Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brethren. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Aren't you thankful today that even in our best state we are as filthy rags? We're just dirt, formed from the dust of the earth. Even in our best state we're still sinners in need of a Savior. And aren't you thankful today that Jesus still wants to associate with you and me? And not just associate, but he calls us brothers. He loves us. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. So we see the removal of the sandal. We see the renewing of Elimelech. We see the redeeming of Ruth. But then fourth of all, uh, we then see the rejoicing of the leaders. And so this place, this, this, this thing has kind of erupted now. This has become a celebration, a rejoicing. In verse 11, the Lord make the woman that is coming to thy house like Rachel 
and like Leah. The, the elders do more than just confirm this and just make this a thing. They're now rejoicing and they're saying, hey, may you be like Rachel and Leah. May you have 12 kids. Could you imagine? I'm getting married. And the first blessing you get, may you have 12 kids. Yes. I grew up in Amish country, and no, I'm not Amish. Okay? But I grew up in Amish country, and they're known for their big families. One of our neighbors on the road had 21 children. And at one of their family gatherings, I heard they have 106 grandchildren. So can you imagine the blessing? May you have many, many uh, descendants. Boaz might possess great wealth, they, they pray for, and because he put his personal inheritance at risk, they also praise and say, may Boaz's name be great because of the sacrifice he did. They also praise and say, may the firstborn son to Boaz be destined to carry seed promise, which we know later becomes into the lineage of the Messiah, because uh, Obed's, uh, uh, Boaz's son Obed, Obed's son was Jesse, and Jesse's son was David. And so we see the rejoicing of the leaders. And then last of all, I want us to see the restoring of life. The restoring of life. I think this is interesting. The Bible says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. Woohoo! Man, I mean, this has been building up for days and weeks, and finally it's come, and Ruth perhaps has been at home with Naomi and wondering how this is going to turn out, and Naomi says it's going to be fine, everything's going to be good, and Ruth has been waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally she gets the word. Boaz has purchased you. Now, I know that doesn't sound so romantic in our day and age, you know. I got a wife, I purchased her, you know, no. Like, like, but Ruth understood what this meant. He had paid for her Redemption, so that she could now be his wife. How exciting that must be. And, of course, we see, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, these are all the women there in the area that are praising her, probably the same women who welcomed her back into Israel when she said, Call me Mara, for I am bitter. And they said this, Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. What has happened to Naomi? She has gone from being bitter, broken, frustrated, and call me Mara, to now she is a restorer of life. Isn't that what God's grace does for you and me? When we're selfish, when we pursue what we want, when we live in sin, and then we give our life to Christ and we get cleaned up and changed and start living for him, his grace starts changing our life. And what happens? He restores us back to what we need to be. And so we see in verse number 16, And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the woman, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Obed we know means a servant, servant of God. And what a wonderful ending to such a remarkable story, truly a historical story. But what's interesting to me is there's a bigger story here. It's a wonderful picture for you and me. And as we saw these five points, the removal of the sandal, 
the renewing of Elimelech. We saw uh, the, the redeeming of Ruth, the rejoicing of leaders, the restoring of life. We see a bigger picture. What is this bigger picture? Well, there's different characters in this passage. We have Boaz, we know, is who we believe is a picture of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. You say, well, why do we need a Redeemer? Well, Ruth is a picture of us, the Gentile bride of Christ in need of redemption. You say, well, Ruth needed redemption, but why do we need redemption? Well, our redemption is far more devastating than widowhood, even though it was pretty tough. I mean, that was her life support. Our redemption is so much more important. You see, our redemption was nothing that we could do to pay for. It wasn't about us going hungry or going thirsty or not being clothed. Well, it was an eternal punishment in hell. Say, so how do you know that? Well, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, we and our sin have occurred such a debt that we couldn't pay. It was a life-size debt. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. This payment has to be equal to our debt. What is this payment equal to? Us going to hell and pay for our sin. That is what we deserve. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says because of our sin, we're in need of a Savior. And it wasn't necessarily something that human beings could do. Only one person could pay for that debt. And that's where we get number one. Only Jesus Christ is able to redeem us. Jesus, who willingly paid the price for our sin debt before God. Just like Boaz had to go before the elders of the gate as witnesses. Jesus had to go before the law on our behalf. He who did no sin became sin for us. He made a payment for our debt. What was that payment? Well, the Bible says in 1 John 4.10, here in his love that, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, Jesus Christ was willing to be the substitute for our death. But how could he be the substitute? Because he's the only one who's never done anything wrong. He was able to go and stare the law on its face and say, Law, I have never done anything wrong. But I know these people have done it and I'm willing to pay the penalty with my life. It's interesting. The law cannot acquit us of our guilt. Cannot give us peace with God. The law cannot... Do that, the law cannot compel us to do right. You say, what do you mean? Well, if you're next time you're driving down the road and you see that speed limit, 55, and there's not a car in sight for miles. There's not a school zone for miles. There's not a city for miles. And you say, oh yeah? I'm going to bump it up to 56. 62. 66. Some of you are saying, what, 80? What? You know. No one's out here. Who cares? It's just a big horned sheep who's five miles away up in the mountains. We're good. The law can't force us to comply. May I say today, the law can't save you. Good works can't save you. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
you see, just as Boaz stepped in the gap as our Redeemer, Jesus Christ was willing, for, for Ruth, Jesus Christ was willing to step in the gap for you and me. Reminds me of the song written by Fanny Crosby who said, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. We were sold under the auction block of sin and the devil had us in his grasp and the law seemed to say, I expose your sin, I know you've done wrong, you're guilty, who will pay for you? Your life? And Jesus said, I, I'll do it. I'll pay for your sin on the cross. Reminds me of the story during the American Revolution. The British crown offered General Joseph Reed a bribe. He replied at a meeting of Continental Congress saying, I am not worth purchasing, but such as I am, the king of Great Britain is not rich enough to do it. In other words, you can't bribe me enough to go against my country. May I say Boaz paid the price not out of duty, but of love. And Jesus Christ did not redeem us out of duty. He did it out of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What's interesting about Roman law is they added an obligation onto redemption. And that obligation is you will not truly be redeemed until you can pay your Redeemer back. But my dear friend, we can never pay our Redeemer back. And we become a child of God by accepting him. Therefore, the only great thing to do is offer our lives in return. Say, God, I could never repay you. Nor do you ask me to. But I can't help but love you and serve you because of what you've done for me. So we see only Jesus is able to redeem us. But second of all, only Jesus Christ can receive or remove the sandal from us. Like Boaz, Christ finds himself in the law. The Ten Commandments are staring at him. They're saying there has to be a a purchase price. There's requirements of the law for a, a perfect, sinless life. And Jesus Christ says, that's me. First John 3, 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So you see, Jesus Christ is the only one who can pay for your sin. Not a priest, not a pastor, not doing good things, not religion, all those Things are not good enough. Nothing can pay for our sin except for Jesus Christ and him alone and his precious blood on Calvary. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, that there was a nearer relative picture here. So we see Boaz, who was Christ, we see Ruth as a representation of us. We see the ten elders as a representation of the law or the Ten Commandments. But what about this nearer kinsman redeemer? What's his name? Well, we don't know his name. Some have said it, he, because he didn't redeem her, he wasn't worthy of having his name mentioned. I don't know if that's true or not, because there's many people in the Bible that's names shouldn't be mentioned, but they were. We don't know his real name, but we do know who he represents. He represents Adam. Adam, who had sinned. But more importantly, he represents you and me who have sinned. 
we were up against the law and we maybe wanted redemption and we wanted to purchase the land, but then when we realize what it took, it takes our life, it takes sacrificing everything, it takes forgiveness of our sins, it takes going to hell and paying for our sins. We said, wait a minute here. We don't want to do that. So what do we do? Well, Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of the flesh. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus Christ was willing to go to the cross for you and me so that he could punish and take care of the very thing that held us in his grasp, Satan, our sin. And though Jesus was God, he took on flesh so he could walk in our shoes. Just like Boaz took that sandal and put it on, and it showed that he was walking in this near kinsman's shoes. In other words, he had the land now. He had the woman. He had the wife. He was willing to do it all. Jesus Christ was saying, hey, remove your sandal. Remove it and give it to me. And as that man walked away in shame, as he limped because he only had one sandal, and everybody knew you weren't willing to pay the ransom price for Ruth, Jesus Christ was willing to take the sandal of sin from us that we could not pay, that we had no hope, and he was willing to put it on and say, look at me. I'm willing to take your shame. I'm willing to take your filth. I'm willing to take your sin. I'm willing for people to look at you weird and say, why wouldn't you have done that? Why would you take all the sins of mankind? What's wrong with you? I'm willing to do it because I love you. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbed to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus took your sandal for you. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Do you see this morning that the law, the Ten Commandments was staring at you? The crowd of people were staring at you. And you are that nearer kinsman having no possible way to pay for that debt and walking away in shame. And Jesus says, hey, Give me that sandal. I'll do that for you. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he was willing to forgive you of all your trespasses, even though you didn't deserve it. Because he loved you and me. Hebrews 2, 12, 2. Or actually, I, I, I go back if you will. I'm sorry. Colossians 2, 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. I mean, all the sins we've ever done, all the bad things we've ever done, the list was innumerable. Even the best amongst us has it. Paul says, I die daily, and he wrote half the New Testament. It was all blotted out at the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, and which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross, was hostile to us, and is taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Are you thankful today for the redemption of Jesus Christ? Are you thankful today he was willing to remove your sandal from you and take it? 
Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus took all your shame, all your punishment. He says, I'll absorb it. I'll take it for you. But what's interesting here, it was not just for Ruth. It was just not for this New York kinsman. Jesus did that for all of mankind. It's interesting. Just like Boaz was paying for all of Elimelech's future descendants, Jesus Christ was willing to die, not just for you, not just for me, but all of mankind. The worst possible person in this world today in prison Some of the leaders who are very selfish and are all about themselves and inflicting pain on people. Those who maybe are in false religions and those who teach false doctrine and those who are seeking to destroy the church. May I say Jesus died for them too. The Bible says in Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile some things. A few things. No, 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 no. My Bible says all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Jesus Christ didn't just do this for one person. He did this for everyone, including you and including me. And then last of all, only Jesus Christ can restore us. Once Boaz became the Redeemer, he received great adoration and he inherited all that belonged to Elimelech. And may I say today, when you receive Jesus, you inherit all that belongs to God. You become a child of God. In Philippians 2.9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Then at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Do you realize this morning that whether you believe or not, one day you will bow and exclaim that he is Lord. You want to do it before it's too late, though. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. Do you know Jesus? Do you believe what Jesus did for you? He's willing to redeem you. He's willing to receive your sandal. He's willing to renew you. All mankind, he's willing to restore you. But you must allow him to do it. Ruth chapter 4, verse 18, we close. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amenadab, and Amenadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Just a bunch of names, but if you study those names out, you know they're way more than just names. This is the lineage of the Messiah where Jesus will one day come. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful ending. But it's only wonderful for you if you believe and accept it. And you allow Jesus Christ to come in your life. You allow him to renew you. You allow him to restore you. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Perhaps there's someone that would say, you know, Pastor Justin, I guess I didn't realize the picture here. I... I sure loved the love story. I kind of fell into it, and it was amazing. But I didn't realize what is even a greater story. Jesus came for me. He did this for me. He was willing to redeem me from my sin.
Who is willing to remove my sandal and take it upon himself? He was willing to restore me. Who's willing to renew me? And I believe this morning. I want that in my life. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I need Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to accept Christ if you don't know him. You don't have to be perfect as we saw this morning. The law shows you that you're not. That's what the law is there for, to show you you need a Savior. You don't have to go to church enough. You don't have to go to the priest. You don't have to go to the Pope. You don't have to go to the, uh, the pastor enough. No, no, no. You don't have to go to church. You simply have to go to Jesus Christ. No one's looking around. I won't embarrass you. But maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've gone to church, I've tried a lot of different things, but I realized this morning what Jesus did for me. And I want to be redeemed. I want to, be, I want to remove that sand. I want to give it to Jesus. I want to be re- restored. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Say, Pastor Justin, I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. Maybe there's someone down below or in the balcony. Say, Pastor Justin, I need Jesus in my life. Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I need to be renewed. I felt like Naomi. I felt a little bitter. I feel a little empty. I feel like I need to get back on track. I need to get back in the groove. And I realized this morning only Jesus can do that for me. Will you pray for me? If that's you, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. God bless you. Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. But this area being restored, I, I, I feel like I'm empty. And I need to get where God can use me again. And I'm willing to be patient, willing to wait, willing to trust God. Will you pray for me during my difficult season? I'm in. If that's you, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Maybe there's someone today that would say, I'm carrying a burden. I'm overwhelmed. I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going through a season that's hard. I'm not complaining, but I need, I need prayer. Maybe that's you this morning. How many say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I want to pray for you. Anybody like that this morning? Lord, I see those hands. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. You know the heart. Lord, I really don't know what to leave these people with to go about this week other than this to be extremely thankful for what you've done for us and never forget it. Never get so caught up in, in church and the things of life and forget what you've done. But second of all, may we allow you to restore us. Lord, when we fail you, when we do wrong, may we get it right. And may you help us serve you better because of it. May we share the gospel this week. May we be willing to help someone out in need. May we be a friend to someone who needs it. May we do what you need us to do for you. As you impress it on our heart, may we be, may we be open to you and your leading. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. I pray that you'll bless this invitation time in Jesus' name.
Amen. You may stand to your feet. The piano is going to play. The altar is open. Maybe there's someone that just needs to come and say thank you to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. Maybe there's someone that needs to follow the Lord in baptism. Maybe you'd like to follow the Lord in church membership. love to talk to you about that. Maybe you just need to come and pray with one of our pastors. Maybe you just have a burden, have something heavy on your heart. May I encourage you to respond as God would have you to. Maybe you have a dear brother or a dear sister that you'd like to pray for. Maybe God's touched your heart in such a way today where you need to respond. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Christ. That simply means, God, I'm, I'm back on track again. I want to be all in for you. May I encourage you to respond as God would have you to this morning as the piano plays. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, this morning, we have uh, Jeff Trebet uh, coming to us. Um, he's gone through our starting point class, and he wants to join the church. Jeff's right over here. Raise your hand, Jeff. And uh, we want to allow him to join us. And he's been saved and baptized and excited about God using him to serve the Lord. So all in favor, say aye. Uh, any opposed? It's carried. Welcome to the family, Jeff. And uh, yeah, give him a hand. And we're so excited for that. And we look forward to serving the Lord together in the years to come. We got to go uh, do some outreach together a couple weeks ago. Had a great time together. And I'm looking forward to serving the Lord with Jeff, as I know many of you are. And so at this time, we have a quick uh, a video we want to share with you of some upcoming events. And we're going to get you out right on time today. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 to hear another sermon from Pastor Justin. We are excited to have our annual Teen Youth Explosion coming up this March 4th through 6th. It's an exciting event where our teens from our church and school go out and invite local teens from community public schools all around to attend three different night services. During those services, we have an exciting time where we give out thousands of dollars worth of prizes, exciting games, singing about the Lord, as well as a gospel presentation by Pastor Stuart Mason. This is an exciting event. We hope you can be a part of it, and we will need workers uh, to help. And also, if you would like to give towards this, we have special envelopes marked for Teen Youth Explosion, and uh, it does cost a lot of money, but it's an exciting event where hundreds and hundreds of teenagers We'll have the opportunity to hear a clear presentation of the gospel as well as a spiritual challenge. Join us next Sunday night at 5 p.m. for our Level Up Teaching and Training Modules. 
Come and choose two of the modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss this special time of training with something for every Christian. Don't miss the next Ladies Service Ministry meeting on Wednesday, February 21st from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Forest Creek Park Lodge. There will be a potluck lunch, so bring a dish to share. We'll have a short devotion as well as a drawing for door prizes. Come join us as we work together to equip, encourage, and extend the work of Grandview. Here at Grandview, we have something for everyone. There will be a teen overtime activity this Wednesday, February 21st during the 7 p.m. service following the Bible study. There will also be a young adult gap activity this Saturday, February 24th, with volleyball at 5 p.m. followed by ice cream at Salt and Straw. And the annual Awana Grand Prix is next Wednesday, February 28th. This June, we are planning on taking an admissions trip to the country of Thailand. There is information on the welcome desk if you're interested, and also we have a limited amount of spots available. In order to hold your spot, you need to go online or in one of the offering envelopes and put in at least $100 minimum deposit to hold that spot. That is refundable until the time for the first payment in the end of March. If you're interested, please let me know so we can be in contact. It's going to be an exciting trip. Don't forget, information is on the welcome desk. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay. Please know God loves you and this pastor loves you. Guests, we're so glad you're here. We want to connect with you. You are dismissed.